the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program is made possible with support from Seth David Radwell, a recent guest on the program and author of American Schism, How the Two Enlightenments Hold a Secret to Healing Our Nation, released in July 2021. As Publishers Weekly writes in its recent glowing review of American Schism, business executive Radwell's epic debut examines the historical influences that have led to what he sees as the collapse of politics in the United States. Seth Radwell makes the case that the current chasm between the American right and left can be traced back to the 18th century's Age of Enlightenment and the basic tenets of liberty, equality, and reason. American Schism provides a historical perspective that can help bridge current-day divides. American Schism by Seth David Radwell is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, go to americanschismbook.com. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back. Hi. Uh-oh. That's not supposed to be there. Find out where we're at here. We ain't even about to stress. We got big grits. You can find her in the press. Under big grits. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's big grits. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the second hour of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. And we're going to shift gears a little bit. Last hour, we were talking about uh, uh, a series of books about a uh, a boy with special needs. And now we're going to talk about animals with special needs. And joining me by phone is um, Brittany Pete, who is the uh, PETA Foundation Deputy General Counsel for Captive Animal Law Enforcement. And she joins me by phone. Brittany, is that the longest title at PETA? <laughs> I think it's probably pretty close, Tom. Yeah, it's a it's a mouthful for sure. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Uh, now, this is a, a, a fascinating story, although it it has some sad elements, as a lot of animal rescue work does. Um, but it it revolves around a. Uh, a defunct roadside zoo 
and some animals that were all but stranded there and we can talk about their condition and so on but uh, basically being rescued by PETA and and moved to a uh, sanctuary um, this was a, a defunct roadside zoo in northern Michigan and you know, I imagine there are similar operations in states all around the country where you're out traveling and there's this exit you know for exotic animals and so on and and um, now this one was uh, where where was this one exactly yeah so this facility was in uh, Tawas City and it used to be called the Sunrise Side Nature Center um, and it was open to the public for many years and they had a lot of different types of exotic animals um, but more recently, um, there were, they'd closed to the public and there were just a few animals left. Um, there were, there was a lion, a bobcat, uh, some foxes, and um, there were two black bears. And one of those bears was actually uh, uh, seized by the government for neglect yeah, or something? That's right. On, on July 23rd, um, uh, an adult black bear named Grizzy was confiscated by the U.S. Department of Agriculture from the Sunrise Side property. The U.S. Department of Agriculture enforces what's called the Animal Welfare Act in the United States that, that regulates um, animals who are used for a variety of purposes, including entertainment. So, um, so most animals at zoos are regulated in this way. And unfortunately, the, the regulations are very weak. Um, but thankfully, in, in this case, the agency did take the very rare step of confiscating Grizzly um, because according to the USDA, he had a severe wound above his left eye that had become necrotic and ulcerated um, and swollen. And the facility hadn't sought any veterinary care for Grizzly at all. Uh, was there any sense of, of how the bear got the wound? Um, the, the facility... The facility speculated that um, that it may have been an insect bite, um, but I don't think that we really know for sure. Um, and in addition to the bear with the, the veterinary issue, the agency also cited the facility um, for um, the bobcat, um, claiming that the bobcat was obese um, with a matted hair coat down the neck and back and the, the bobcat was apparently walking very stiffly, indicating potential arthritis. And the lion at the facility um, on the other side of the spectrum was very thin with prominent um, vertebrae showing, um, and there was a possibility um, that the lion had worms or, or otherwise was, was emaciated. And again, the facility hadn't sought any veterinary care for these animals. Now they weren't uh, they weren't seeking veterinary care, but what about just standard care, um, temperature controls and feeding and those kinds of things? It wasn't operating as a facility to the public, so it just became 
what a uh, what would you even I mean, describe it? Yeah, I mean, basically these animals were being kept as pets um, in in Tawa City. Um, there were bears and a lion and, and foxes and other animals being held as pets. And when we went up to to do the rescue, um, a, a local veterinarian. Um, helped us out with some paperwork that we needed, and she had no idea that that there was a defunct roadside zoo or or these animals in the town at all. Um, but the the facility generally, in addition to the lack of veterinary care, um, the USDA also cited Sunrise Side for um, for issues with sanitation. They mentioned that the lion enclosure hadn't been cleaned in nearly a year, and they talked about accumulation of feces and hair and excess food waste that were covered in in mold. Um, The bobcat enclosure also apparently had excessive feces uh, in it. And so, you know, it's, it's one of those situations where, in addition to the veterinary neglect, there also seemed to have been just general neglect around the facility. And the the folks who owned it, um, they were older. And, and so, you know, after we saw, after PETA saw that, that Grizzly the Bear was confiscated, um, I, I gave them a call and, um, you know, and we, we talked about it maybe being time for them to to send the rest of the animals somewhere else and what happened to the to the attraction uh you know it's been described we've described it as a defunct roadside zoo but what happened did people just stop coming there did the the owners of the facility age out and and become incapable of keeping up with it what what exactly happened? What was it like when it was fully operational? Did they have a staff? Yeah, my understanding um, is that that they primarily had uh, members of their family working at the facility. Um, and as to why it closed, um, we're not really sure. There, there were um, Animal Welfare Act violations occasionally throughout the history of the facility Um, and um, back in 2014 there was an incident in which um, the the 15 year old granddaughter of the owners um, according to the USDA apparently opened um, an unlocked gate that separates members of the public from the lion enclosure. And there are differing accounts. Either the the patron stuck her hands through the fence or she was actually able to enter the enclosure. Um, But the the lion apparently bit the tip of her middle finger off. And And this was a visitor or the granddaughter? It was a member of the public who's... um, Part of her middle finger was bitten off by the lion at Sunrise Side, and so USDA cited the facility for that. Um, and there was a lot of press surrounding that. And um, um, shortly, shortly after that, the, the facility closed to the public, and and has been closed to the public now for some time. Well, I was just wondering, you know, due to the work by by PETA and and other uh, animal 
activists. Um, I, I just wonder if, if maybe public interest in the roadside zoo had waned as people became more aware of these kinds of facilities not being good for the animals. And the reason that I, that I bring that up, Brittany, is um, to wonder if there are facilities like this um, you know that are that are still operating and still housing animals uh, in Michigan or in other states around the country. Yeah, absolutely, and I and we we absolutely are seeing waning interest from members of the public um, as a result of as a result of our work and increasing public interest in in animal welfare, and I think that. There has been, particularly in the wake of, of last year's Netflix docuseries, Tiger King, members of the public are more and more aware of the complex needs of animals in captivity, especially big brain, far-ranging animals like bears and, and big cats um, and primates. And so, you know, we certainly aren't seeing the roadside zoo industry grow but there absolutely are substandard roadside zoos continuing to operate around the country, including in Michigan. Um, one of the worst facilities in the country um, is in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, um, Oswald's Bear Ranch. And it allows the antiquated practice of bear cub petting, um, in which Oswald, though it claims its bears are rescued from the wild, um, actually purchases baby bears from breeders who separate the baby bears from their mothers, um, though in the wild they would stay with their mothers for two years. Um, and then those baby bears are used for encounters with the public. And we've documented um, baby bears pacing back and forth in enclosures at Oswald's Bear Ranch, um, screaming in distress, um, and a couple years ago, two bears were actually able to escape from Oswald, um, and one of the bears was shot and killed by law enforcement. Um, and actually, just yesterday, and, and PETA hasn't made this public yet, um, but we're going to be sending a, a press release uh, tomorrow, the U.S. Department of Agriculture sued Oswald's Bear Ranch because the Oswalds lied about the conditions um, and the, the facts of what happened during that escape. Well, Brittany, I want to talk with you some more about that, but I have a break coming up here. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? Absolutely. All right. My guest is Brittany, uh, Brittany rather. I don't know. I got these new teeth, and now I can't talk. <laughs> um, but she is uh, PETA Foundation's Deputy General Counsel for Captive Animal Law Enforcement, Brittany Pete, and... Uh, we're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. They are uh, WFOV, our Voices Radio, 92.1 LPFM Flint, a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions, and my friend Paul Herring. And uh, as I said, we're going to let them squeeze a few words or in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be right back. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors.
Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. And welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation with uh, Brittany Peet from PETA, uh, who joins me by phone. Brittany, uh, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Not at all. Happy to be here. Now, uh, for the listeners, or if you're just tuning in, if I'm not mistaken, Brittany, just before the break, we had a little breaking news here. That's right. Um, (laughs) That's right. It's uh, breaking news. This has not been announced publicly yet, um, but Oswald's Bear Ranch, uh, which is based in Newberry, Michigan, um, in the Upper Peninsula, um, has been sued by the U.S. Department of Agriculture um, for alleged violations of the Federal Animal Welfare Act um, stemming from the escape of two bears at the facility in 2019, which led to uh, a law enforcement officer um, killing one of the bears. And um, PETA uh, did public records requests after the incident happened, and uncovered that the Oswalds reports to the USDA and reports to local law enforcement um, were inconsistent. Um, We also looked at um, the Oswalds claimed that the bears were able to escape because of a power outage um, that resulted from a storm in the area. And so we were able to look at weather data and information from, um, from the power company um, to determine that the Oswalds lied um, about the story that they gave to the USDA. And so we provided that information to the USDA, um, and the USDA has now sued Oswalds um, over this incident. Brittany, let, let me ask, because I'm sure there's somebody out there thinking this. Um, in the Upper Peninsula in Michigan, it's not unusual to see bears um, that are just roaming the countryside and yeah and and what i was going to say is when you talk about a a couple of bears albeit cubs escaping from an enclosure um somebody out there's got to be thinking how is this not escaping back into their natural habitat right and that's a really good question and the bears who escaped um, they were juvenile bears, so they weren't they weren't quite as small as cubs, but they weren't as big as as adults. And the bear who was killed, her name was Sophie. Um, but the the distinction between the types of bears that you have at Oswalds um, and those in the wild is that um, the bears at Oswalds were born into captivity. Um, though Oswalds claims that all of his bears were rescued from the wild, again, that's a lie. We have the the paperwork and the transfer forms that prove that every year Oswald purchases baby bears from breeders um, who have been cruelly taken from their mothers. Um, And and then Oswald doubles down on this cruelty by uh, allowing these baby bears to be passed from one patron to another, in their bear cub petting encounters. So these are animals who are habituated to humans. And so what you really don't want, and this is something that that we see a lot in much more populated areas that have natural populations of bears like New Jersey, um, you can't have a 400-pound bear who's habituated to to humans. Um, 
it's extremely dangerous both for the bears and the humans. So there's, those are bears who end up being, being put down. So these captive bears who are living in places like Oswald, um, they can't safely be released into the wild. Um, but what there is an alternative for those animals. They don't have to be held in roadside zoos like Oswald's Bear Ranch or the, the defunct Sunrise Side Nature Center. Um, there are accredited yeah. sanctuaries across the country, um, such as the one where Dolly the Bear from Sunrise Side was placed, um, where they have naturalistic enclosures um, of dozens or even hundreds of acres um, where they're able to, to live much more like natural um, bears, in, bears in nature. I was going to ask about that because we started out in the uh, earlier segment talking about the uh, the, the defunct uh, roadside zoo in Tawa City, and and Peta stepped in and rescued a bear and some foxes and and relocated them to a sanctuary, and that was exactly the the question I was going to ask, Brittany. You were reading my mind. Is <laughs> how is you know. Uh, for the animals, what's the difference between a roadside zoo and a sanctuary? How is uh, one better than the other? Aren't they still sort of in captivity? Yeah, and that's true. It is still captivity, and, and that's one of the ways that you can tell a reputable sanctuary from a roadside zoo is that sanctuaries are always trying to close themselves down. Um, you know, they want to see... Their, their position is that all animals, wild animals, belong in the wild. Um, but when they can't be, um, like animals who are already in roadside zoos, they deserve to live as, as, close, as close to free as possible in enclosures that, um, that allow the animals to engage in natural behaviors like they would experience in the wild. So um, I was actually out at the sanctuary where the animals from Sunrise Side um, were placed just last week. Um, and I was able to see Dolly being released from her quarantine enclosure um, into her huge habitat at the sanctuary. Um, it's all natural substrate, so the bears are able to dig their own dens if they want to. Um, there are ponds where they can cool themselves off or take a swim. Um, and they're able to forage for foods, and um, and the the focus is on the bears. It's not on profit, um, and it's not on the experience of visitors. And at roadside zoos, such as at Oswald's Bear Ranch um, or the defunct Sunrise Side Nature Center, um, animals are typically held in in enclosures where. Um, visitors can either physically interact with the animals or um, where visitors can easily see the animals. They're often fed unhealthy diets. Um, that's another one of the allegations in the USDA's lawsuit against Oswald Bear Ranch, that, um, that the bears are fed unhealthy restaurant scraps instead of um, berries and fish and nuts and, and other foods that they would eat in the wild. Um, so basically, the, the, the main distinction between reputable sanctuaries and roadside zoos is the focus on animal welfare over profit. The sanctuary that, that you just um, visited last week, and is, is the bear's name Dolly? 
Yes, her name is Dolly. When an animal like Dolly, a bear, is released into this this new like-wild environment, are there other bears, and, and what happens with the interaction with bears that have come from different places and find themselves in this uh, sanctuary or habitat? Yeah, it's, it's really different for every bear because just like humans, bears are individuals and they, they each have different personalities. Um, Dolly is, is a really social bear and she's also a really confident bear. Um, she, she was used to having her friend Grizzy around for years. Um, and part of the quarantine process is um, Dolly was, was, she was in a smaller enclosure within the habitat that she was ultimately released from. And so she was able to safely meet some of her new enclosure mates through the fence. Um, so they were able to safely get to know each other. And so when Dolly was released from quarantine last week, um, some of the bears in her enclosure had already gone down and started their winter hibernation. Um, but she was, was sniffing around some of the dens and one of the bears um, actually came out and they were able to meet and the, the interaction went really well. So um, Dolly is already making new friends uh, at the sanctuary and is doing great. Is it expected that those animals will live out their lives there or can they work their way back to full release? No, unfortunately, um, these animals can't be released into the into the wild because they're all habituated to humans. Um, so what is what is that will, yeah. what does that mean? Does it mean that they're more likely to wander into a strip mall or a neighborhood or something? It be, it basically means that they they've lost their natural fear of humans. So, you know, if we went out for a hike in the UP and there was a bear around, they're, um, unless they're defending their cubs, they're most likely to run away or avoid humans. But bears who've been under human care in captivity, um, because there are humans who bring them food every day, um, they're, they've actually been conditioned to approach humans. Um, and that's exactly, what, that's exactly what gets wild bears killed. Now there were there were foxes as well, um, and and is the is this sanctuary um, are foxes and bears likely to be in the same environment? Um, so in in the wild, yes, but at the at the sanctuary, the foxes um, are in a different enclosure. Um, they're also the, the, it's a it's a it's a family of three foxes um, who were rescued from the Sunrise Side facility, and they're they're currently in a quarantine enclosure uh, now. Um, but that quarantine enclosure is actually um, about double the size of the enclosure that they were living in um, at Sunrise Side, um, and the the sanctuary is building them um, a big new enclosure. Um, that has plenty of places for them to hide, um, climbing structures, um, and lots of opportunities for them to engage in natural behaviors. And um, they're expecting that the foxes uh, will be able to move into that new enclosure this week.
And are there other foxes in that enclosure? Are there just enclosures for a whole bunch of different species? How do, how do they manage that? Yeah, so, um, so they don't have, uh, all of the different species are housed separately. Um, so this particular sanctuary, it's called the Wild Animal Sanctuary. Um, it's in, in Colorado outside of Denver. Um, and it has a, a number of different species, tigers, lions, jaguars, in addition to foxes and bears. Um, and each of the species are housed separately. Um, and there are a number of different enclosures for each species. Um, so these foxes will have their own enclosure, um, at least for now. Um, it's possible that, that down the road, if they uh, express an interest in um, in another fox group, that they could be integrated together. Um, but for now, the three foxes are really happy um, uh, um, keeping to themselves and, you know, just with the group of three. So for now, they'll have that enclosure all to themselves. Now, you mentioned that at Sunrise Side, uh, the defunct roadside zoo in Tawa City, there were other animals that were still there, a lion, a bobcat, and, and maybe some others that you didn't mention. But what happened to the remaining animals? Yeah, so the, the bobcat died. Um, mm. There was also uh, another animal. Um, it was a, a, a wolf or, or a lynx. Uh, that animal also died. Um, and the lion is apparently being transferred to yet another roadside zoo in Michigan called the Ross Common Zoo. And that's something that PETA is keeping a really close eye on um, because under the terms of, of our agreement with the owners of Sunrise Side, they're not allowed to own any more wild or exotic animals. Um, and unfortunately, the Ross Common Zoo is not a reputable facility. Um, we uh, had a member of the public go out and document conditions there for us a couple weeks ago um, and documented extensive welfare issues for animals, um, including animals, uh, hooved animals with severely overgrown hooves, animals who were, were limping. So again, we have another roadside zoo in Michigan that, that is apparently failing to provide animals with appropriate veterinary care, uh, appropriate enclosures and and just generally appropriate care across the board. So PETA will continue working um, to get that lion to to a sanctuary, but we're still working on that. Are there? I, I'm not sure how to ask this, Brittany, but are there roadside zoos or attractions like these that are done well? No, I mean, and, that, and that's what—that's really what distinguishes a roadside zoo from uh, uh, a more reputable zoo. So, um, so zoos like the Detroit Zoo, for example, um, are accredited by an organization called the Association of Zoos and Aquariums. Um, and sanctuaries also have um, their own accrediting organization called the Global Federation of Animal Sanctuaries. And what these organizations do is provide really specific standards for their member facilities um, about, about animal care. So what does it mean to provide proper veterinary care to animals? What is the minimum enclosure size for each species? Um, and so more reputable zoos 
like the Detroit Zoo and other AZA accredited zoos in Michigan and across the country, um, the standard of care that they provide to their animals um, is significantly better than that that we than that we see at roadside zoos like Sunrise Side and Oswald's Bear Ranch. And so, if people are are wanting to to go out and support facilities like this, they should definitely always look for facilities that are accredited by either AZA or GFAS and, and always avoid those unaccredited roadside zoos. And, and that, was, that was kind of my next question. You're reading my mind again, Brittany, <laughs> is people who are fascinated and, and want to see animals that they don't see all the time. Um, are, are accredited zoos the, the best way to do that, or are there some other better ways that, that people can view exotic animals other than the pages of National Geographic? Yeah, there are lots of different ways where, where people can experience wild animals these days. And of course, the, the best way is to observe them in the wild. And there are a lot of ways to do that online these days. Um, but if you, if you do need to go and see those animals for yourselves um, in person, um, then the, the, only, um, the only way to do it is to, is to go to either AZA accredited or GFAS accredited uh, facilities across the country. And you can go to either AZA or GFAS's website, um, and they have a list of accredited members. Um, there are several AZA accredited zoos in Michigan, um, and as well as a number of GFAS accredited um, sanctuaries in Michigan, um, though those are mostly um, house uh, farmed animals and horses. I remember years ago going to Cedar Point down in Ohio, and mm-hmm. er, now now let me let me think about this. This might now might have been my trip to Disney World, seeing. Um, some lion cubs in an enclosure and it seemed sort of out of step you know for a theme park to have an enclosure with actual wild animals has that practice pretty much been eliminated or is that still going on in theme parks around the country disney disney does have um they have a separate attraction now called disney's animal kingdom um, where they do have uh, exotic animals, um, that facility is AZA accredited. Um, and AZA facilities have improved significantly, um, even just over the past 10 years, where we used to see animals at AZA accredited institutions really being held in the same type of cramped, barren enclosures that we, that we now see uh, at roadside zoos. Um, the distinction is that AZA's welfare standards move forward as animal science, animal welfare science moves forward. And so now what we see at AZA accredited institutions are naturalistic enclosures where, like at sanctuaries, animals are able to engage in natural behaviors and there's, a, there's an increased focus on animal welfare rather than just visitor experience. My guest is Brittany Pete. 
She is uh, the PETA Foundation Deputy General Counsel for Captive Animal Law Enforcement. And Brittany, I really appreciate you uh, talking about this uh, this fascinating uh, story about the um, sunny side uh, uh, roadside zoo in in Tawas and what happened to those animals and and about these uh, sanctuaries where can people that that are interested in animal welfare go to find out more about the issues that we've been talking about um, and and to really just sort of explore the subject now I imagine PETA has a website, and that's probably a good place to start. But are there some good resources for people who maybe want to get more informed and or involved in animal welfare? Yeah, as you suggest, uh, Tom, the best place to go is to PETA.org, PETA's website, as well as uh, PETA's social media. Um, There is a wealth of information, um, as well as ways to get involved. on PETA's website and social media. Um, You can also check out the Wild Animal Sanctuary's website and social media um, where you will, uh, I'm sure very soon, be able to get a glimpse of Dolly uh, enjoying her new habitat at the sanctuary. Well, again, Brittany, thanks so much for uh, spending this time with me and the listeners this morning. And uh, kudos for all uh, all that you do. Keep up the good work. Of course. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. All right. Take care. That was Brittany Pete. She uh, is, uh, as I mentioned, and I love this title, PETA Foundation's Deputy General Counsel for Captive Animal Law Enforcement. And uh, talking about uh, some interesting animal welfare-related stories um, about things that... uh, have occurred right here in Michigan, but they go on in other states around the country as well. Um, we have lots more of the Tom Sumner program coming up, but we are going to take a, uh, a short break here in about a minute or so. If you're listening to us on WFOV, our voices radio in Flint, they are 92.1 LPFM, a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my friend Paul Herring, and um, we're going to uh, let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. There's lots more of the Tom Sumner Program straight ahead. Fashion Radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program.com. The Tom Sumner Program.com. The Tom Sumner Program.com.
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination? A COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Armchair politics is going to hell. Hell, Michigan, that is, and you are invited. On October 27th, Wednesday before Halloween, Armchair Politics will be broadcasting live from 9 a.m. to noon from the Hell Saloon in Hell, Michigan, near Pinckney. This will be our first in-person meeting of the Tom Sumner Program's weekly roundtable armchair politics since the beginning of the pandemic. Join me and roundtable regulars Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki on the left and longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right, plus more on Wednesday, October 27, 2021, starting at 9 a.m. at the Hell Saloon. Armchair politics is going to hell, and you can too. Say, objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. 
I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'll be seated. Everybody say amen. 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 Now, before we start, I got two announcements I want to read off to you. The deacons wish that whoever keeps writing, meet me in the basement on the back of the hymn books would cut it out because everybody that goes down there tracks mud all over the church. (laughs) Amen. And the deacons also wish that whoever keeps putting the frog in the baptismal pool would cut that out because everybody's getting warts from it. (laughs) Everybody say amen. 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 Now, preacher went a-hunting. It was on a Sunday morning. Now, coast was again his religion, but he took his gun along. He shot himself some very fine quail and one old measly high. And then on his way returning home, he met a great big grizzly bear. Well, that bear marched out in the middle of the road, and he waltzed to the preacher, you see. Well, the preacher, he got so excited, he climbed a persimmon tree. Well, the bear, he sat down upon the ground, and the preacher climbed out on a limb. He cast his eyes to the God in the skies, and these words he says to him. Oh, Lord, didn't you deliver Daniel from the lion's den? Also delivered Jonah from the belly of the whale and then The three Hebrew chillin' from the fiery furnace So the good book do declare Well, oh Lord, if you can't have me for goodness sakes Don't you have that bear? Yeah! Well, that preacher set up in that tree Some say that hit us all night Along about daybreak, he says, oh Lord, if you don't have that bear Then you're gonna see one awful fight Well, just as he said, if the limb let go And the preacher, he come floating down Oh, it was a sight to see him just before he hit the ground He struck old Earth a cutting right and left He did put up a pretty good fight Before he could do much, that bear grabbed him Squeezed him a little too tight Well, the preacher, he lost his hunting knife But the bear held on with a vim So one more time, he cast his eyes to the God in the skies And these words he says to him Oh, Lord, didn't you deliver Daniel from the lion's den? Also deliver Jonah from the belly of the whale and then The three Hebrew chillin' from the fiery furnace So the good book do declare Well, oh Lord, if you can't have me for goodness sakes Don't you have that bad Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Programme I worked as an accountant for about two years in Chicago. I had a, got a degree in accounting, went into the Army during the Korean War. Remember that one? <laughs> and, uh, no benefits. And uh, I have held close to 30 separate accounting jobs in two years, which is like three weeks at each place, you know. I found one thing is true, that they always put you through an orientation program. You spend one week learning all the problems you're going to have to face in this new job. But invariably, after the week in orientation, the first problem you run into, your first day on the job, was never covered in any of the, any of the sessions. Now, with this kind of prologue, this may seem kind of a jump. My favorite movie is King Kong, the monster movie. This is the greatest monster movie ever made, and the biggest scene, of course, The one you all remember from King Kong is when King Kong climbs the outside of the Empire State Building. All right, now putting these two thoughts together. (laughs) This this is the night that King Kong climbs the outside of the Empire State Building 
it's also the first night on the job for a new guard. See? This is his first night on the job. He's gone through a week's orientation on the problems he's going to face, and it happens to be the night that King Kong climbs the outside of the Empire State Building. Hello, Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Nelson. Yes, this this is uh, Sam Hennessy, the, uh, the 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 new guard. Yeah, sir, I you know I hate to bother you at home like this on on my first night, but uh, <coughs> see, so, uh, something's come up, sir, and it, it's not it's not covered in in the guard's manual. <laughs> Yeah, I, I looked in the index. Yeah, yes, sir. It, I, I looked under unauthorized personnel and, uh, and uh, people without passes and, and apes and apes' toes. Uh, apes and apes' toes. Yes, sir. Uh, there, there's an ape's toe uh, sticking through the window, sir. Well, uh, see, uh, see, this isn't your standard ape, sir. I mean... Uh, he's between uh, 18 and 19 stories high, uh, d uh, d depending on, on whether there's a 13th floor or not. Uh, uh, uh. Well, uh, sir, I'm, you know, I'm sure there's a rule against, uh, against apes shaking the building. There, there, there is, yes. So I, I, I yelled at his feet, you know, I said... Uh, I said, uh, a shoe ape, and uh, I'm, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to leave, sir. And uh, I, you know, I know how you like the new men to, to think on their feet, sir. So um, I, I went to the, the broom class, and I, I got out a broom uh, without, uh, you know, signing out a requisition on it. I, yeah, I will tomorrow, yes, sir. And, and I started hitting him on the toes with it, you, you see. But uh, it didn't seem to bother him too much. See, uh, there are these planes, sir, and they're, they're flying around him, and, and they're shooting at him, you know, and they only seem to be bothering him a little bit, so, so I figured I wasn't doing too, too much good uh, with, with, with a broom. D did, did I try swatting him in the, in, in the face with it? Well, I, I, um, I was going to take the elevator up to his head, sir, See, but uh, my, my jurisdiction only extends to his navel. <laughs> you, do, you, don't, you don't care what I do, just, just get the ape off the building. This, uh, this, this may complicate things a little. Uh, he's, uh, he's carrying a woman in his hand, sir. <laughs> I, no, I, I don't think she works in the building. No, sir. Well, see, as he, as he passed by my floor, uh, she had this kind of negligee on, you know. So I, I doubt very much if, if she was one of the cleaning women, you, you know. You know? Well, well, sir, the first thing I did, I, I filled out a report on it. Well, I, no, I, I don't want to give the building a bad name either, sir, you know, but... Well, I doubt very much if we can cover it up, sir. You know. Well, you know, the, the planes are shooting at him, you know, and uh, 
I mean, people are, are going to come to work tomorrow morning, and, and some of them are going to notice the ape in the street, you know. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and the broken window, you know, and they'll start putting two and two together. You, I, I think we're safe on that score, sir. I, I, doubt, I doubt very much if he signed the book downstairs. You don't, you don't care what I do, just, just get the ape off the building. Well, I, I came up with one idea, sir, uh, but I'm not supposed to leave my post. Well, I, I thought maybe I could smear the Chrysler building with, with bananas. This was another Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I have to lay low for a while So I'll be staying here inside It's too dangerous out in the world I'll see you on the other side I'm in my quarantine In my little place too high My heart is aching and I'm missing you I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side We're all in for a bumpy ride
magic don't touch that dial you're listening to tom sumner